light and darkness have a unique relationship, doesn't it? This Advent season, we talk about light. It's very rare that we sit in the dark very long. We scramble and flip a switch or we turn on a screen. But here's the thing about light and darkness is that darkness cannot coexist with the light. When the light comes, darkness flees. It has no choice. I remember when I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark. Anybody else? Now, I wouldn't have admitted that to anyone. But if I was the last person in from the car at night, or if my parents told me to go out into the garage to fetch something, the terror of the garage where things went thump in the night, you better believe after I got in the garage, got whatever I needed, my pace quickened, I always would do a head check, and my heartbeat sped up. Something about the dark that messes with us. There's something about the dark of the season that wears on us. It's dark at 3.30. When the Bible talks about darkness, it's not simply talking about physics and light particles. In the Bible, darkness as an image also carries with it a moral component, a moral dimension. One scholar talks about darkness as positive evil because as many of us know, darkness doesn't show up to the dance alone. Oftentimes, darkness brings with it its friends like fear and panic and pain, oppression, injustice, death, evil. You know, those things that lurk in the dark, those things that operate under the cover of night. And, And some of you even tonight are well aware of those things, maybe even in a a, a fresh way this past year or two, where you've felt that, you've felt the dark like deep within you in ways that maybe you haven't before. Author Fleming Rutledge reminds us, I said this last week, I'll probably say it a few more times, but Advent is a season that begins in the dark. And that's both seasonally, right, it's getting dark outside, but also metaphorically, with all that goes with it. So tonight, to the one who is weary, to the one who is tired, to the one that is hopeless, to the sick and tired, to the overwhelmed, to the anxious, to the hurting, to the oppressed, to the one who doesn't see any light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully tonight will help. Because, yes, it's true that Advent is a season that begins in the dark, but the good news of Advent is also, it doesn't stay that way. It doesn't end in the dark. So this week in our Jesus one and only series in Advent, we get to celebrate the truth that Jesus is the one and only light. Jesus is the one and only light. Or to put it in shorthand, true light shines It's a good reminder for us that the true light shines. 
Not only is Jesus the one and only word, uh, John told us about that last week, but Jesus is also the one and only light. The message of light is simple, but it is not simplistic. So if you have a Bible, why don't you open up with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 4. So John's giving us his prologue, his introduction to his gospel. Uh, John has an agenda. He tells us that he has an agenda at the end of his book, the reason why he is writing this. And so he has this introduction in the first chapter of John that at, in the prologue, in the introduction, he takes pretty much and names every big theme that he's going to talk about in the rest of the 20-some chapters of the book. Here he continues, verse 4, and he's told us about this word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So as John continues his prologue here, he poetically describes for us the the brilliant, the, the blazing, the surprising light of Jesus. So today, tonight, I want to take a look at the true light. I want to talk about its implications for us. Uh, really, two main ideas. First of all, here's the first one. John writes to let us know that the true light shines to deal with the darkness. The true light shines to somehow handle and deal with the darkness of the world. Now, the longer that I live, the more I realize that most of us have a pretty unhealthy relationship with the dark. Not just like being scared of the dark, but our, I'll call it our darkness reflexes, how we respond to the darkness of the world, oftentimes is unhealthy. And what's tricky is that different people respond to the darkness in different ways, so I'm going to try and describe a few of our darkness reflexes. Maybe you'll see yourself in the mirror tonight. First response, some people, and I'll stereotype here, oftentimes Christians or people with church backgrounds. Here's our response. Some of us deny the dark. Maybe that's you. It's the person who says, dark? What dark? It's not dark. Don't you know that there are so many good things in the world, so many good people in the world, and, and their words, as they analyze the darkness and deny the darkness, they're filled with kind of dismissal and denial. Some people, and I'll say, I'll put myself in this category at times, have lived sheltered lives and have lived privileged lives. I, I haven't faced a lot of tragedy. I haven't faced a lot of pain. I haven't faced a lot of death. Because of resources, because of my own experience, there can be a real uncomfortability with negative emotions. So, like, why bother with grief and lament and sorrow when you can be happy? So let's just be happy. 
And there's a place for happiness. And there's a place for joy. But have you ever met a person who knows no sadness or quickly distracts that emotion away or whitewashes grief and pain and loss with cliches and thin veneers? Among other things, one of the gifts of the Advent season, one of the gifts of the biblical Christmas story is that there's no sugarcoating the reality of the world. In the Bible, John 1, darkness is not denied. It's named in the beginning. We begin to see about this darkness that is in the world. The other biblical writers talk about this. We can go to the next slide. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. And again, there's parts that talk about the light here. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. But listen to the phrasing, talking about the world that people have lived in. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light shone. Dwelling in a land of deep darkness. Which meant that for thousands of years, people were not just happy-clappy all the time. Because sin has festered, death has reigned, and even if you look at the historical timeline, the biblical timeline of God's rescue plan, God's redemption story, you have this period of time after the prophets come, some call it the silent years, that for hundreds of years, God was silent until Jesus shows up. There is darkness. There was a land of deep darkness. Or if you listen to Zechariah, who's the father of John the Baptist, next slide, in Luke 1, 78. Here's how he describes the scene before Jesus shows up. He's coming to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Maybe you recognize that language there from the 23rd Psalm, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Some of you know the death shadow. People sitting in darkness. In the, in the valley of the shadow of death, people die and tears fall and some prayers seem to go unanswered and corruption continues and injustice goes unaddressed and diseases aren't healed and the reign of terror marches on for some. Again, I don't want to spend all of our time here tonight, but I do think it's worth addressing in the same way that I mentioned the chaos in the creation story last week. If we dismiss the dark altogether and just want to focus on happy things, we do ourselves a disservice. And I would add that we do a disservice to those who do not yet believe in God. Because it's the world that they live in. Dismissing the darkness doesn't make it go away. I would argue it actually makes you painfully irrelevant for those who are still tasting their tears. And there are some even here tonight that still are tasting tears. Darkness is real. The land of deep darkness is not just for movies or fairy tales. However, though, there are some who deny the dark. There are others who... Fear the dark then, and kind of the pendulum swing. So while some people have a hard time dealing with pain or oppression or death, others can't get darkness out of their mind, and the darkness grips them in fear. 
And this is a group that can get so immersed in pain and darkness that it becomes a crushing weight on their soul. And they know the tears and they know the heartache and maybe daily walk in the death shadow for themselves or for others. Some of you are in professions where you feel like it is in your face all the time. And here's the thing about the dark is you can begin to think it will always be this way and it's never ever going to change. And that can wear on you. That can crush you. And so there are some that just fear the dark and they live in the dread of the dark and there's no, there's no hope in the dark and it feels like this an oppressive weight of being all consumed with the darkness and living in the weight of the darkness and having the darkness really in some ways become overinflated. But this too is a mishandling of the darkness because John, who wrote this gospel, he also wrote a letter later in his life and ministry, 1 John 2.8, and he says at the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. But then he adds this phrase, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. This is important to remember about the darkness. As John says, it's passing away. The darkness will not remain forever. Some people fear the dark. John 1, 5, which we read in the opening here. I don't know if I have it on the slide or not. That's fine. John 1, 5, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. That word's a, a fun one. People try and translate it in different ways. Literally, the word uh, can be translated understood. The darkness has not understood the light. Some could translate it comprehend. That The darkness cannot comprehend the light. Others translate it that it means overcome. That the darkness has not overcome the light. And it has kind of this wrestling match kind of uh, imagery behind it. Grasping, seizing. And I think all those senses in some way are true. That's what John is trying to communicate to us, that the darkness has not understood the light, and the darkness hasn't comprehended the light, and the darkness has not overcome the light. So for those who spend their lives fearing the dark, they actually empower the darkness and give it more credit than it's due. Because the darkness is not permanent. As John says, the darkness is passing away. The darkness has not overcome the light. So so some deny the dark, and that's broken. And some fear the dark and obsess about the dark, and that's broken. Others love the dark. More brokenness in our world, too. And this is the sad reality of the world that we live in. That it's not just somehow out there, but there's a sense of this in here too. Listen to Jesus' words. This is John 3. So again, John introduces these themes in his prologue and then he teases them out and gives stories and teaching to them later on in the book of John. This is what Jesus says as he talks later about light and dark. John 3.19. Jesus says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light 
and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And Jesus, just, again, speaks hard truth. It's, it's, it's brutal truth. He says, here's the reality of the world that we live in, that the light has come into the world, and people actually love darkness rather than light. And light has come, and people are like, woo, turn that off. Woo, put that away. I don't want the light. And as he talks about this idea of the light and the darkness and loving the darkness rather than the light, it's because in our sin we walk in wickedness. Jesus' words, not mine. We walk in wickedness and we don't want our wickedness exposed. Light exposes darkness. It shines brightly so that nothing is hidden. Lighting up the dark and exposing what's there. And the sad reality is some people would choose to love the darkness rather than the light because they don't want what they're doing exposed. We'd rather be left alone than to be set free. There's this thing that happens in the human heart that loves the darkness. And we would rather keep on in our radical independence from God, even if it kills us. And so there are some people that love the dark in irreligious ways. And I could create a list. We live it. The list is long. Loving the darkness. Greed. Lust. Racism. Sexual morality. Violence. Unrighteous anger. Division. Strife. Lying. Self-love. Again, I don't need to recreate a list. But there are irreligious ways in which people love darkness rather than light because we want to do our own thing. And the Bible also tells us that there are people who love the dark in religious ways. In fact, John 3, this conversation is between Jesus and who? Anyone know? Nicodemus. This is Jesus' Nick at night conversation with Nicodemus, a religious leader. He's talking to a religious leader. And there are religious ways that we love the dark too. And we hate having the light shown on our pride. And we hate having the light shown on our arrogance and our self-reliance. We hate when the light is shown on our morality and our judgmentalism. And so century after century and generation after generation, this darkness has prevailed. And it has prompted in people in different ways all sorts of responses. Some to deny it. Others to like literally be like deer in the head, like frozen in fear because of it. Others loving it because it means they can keep doing whatever the heck they want to do and ultimately become the master of their fate. All those broken ways of dealing with the darkness. John tells us, good news. The true light shines. Finally, there is something Finally, there is someone to deal with the darkness. Because guess what? Denial doesn't help. Fear doesn't work. Loving the darkness doesn't help either. It just perpetuates it. 
The only way to deal with the darkness is that light would shine. The only way to deal with the darkness is for it to be driven out by the light. And John says, that light has come. John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Enter now true hope. Enter now a solution. Enter now the light of the world. This is part of the celebration of John 1. This is part of the truth of Advent, is that the darkness does not prevail. There is a better way. Dawn has come. Light has come. A way for freedom in the darkness has come, and his name is Jesus. Pastor Rich Velotis says that Advent reminds us that no matter how dark it gets, the light has come and the light is coming. So be of good cheer. The darkness you feel today will not have the last word. The true light shines to deal with the darkness. But it's not just the darkness that the light has come to deal with. There's this second kind of complementary piece to this. Next slide. The true light shines to deal with the darkness, but also the true light shines to redefine our understanding of life. The light has come. True light shines. Yes, hopefully in our lives the darkness may be dealt with, but there's more than just driving away the dark. The light has come that we would live, that we would know how to live, that we would have life abundantly, life eternally, life to the full. But most of us, well, I'll say all human beings, apart from the grace of God, we don't know how to live. Look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. One of the things that John is very explicit about in his prologue is that he connects light and life. It's in one of our carols, light and life to all he brings. But John connects all throughout his gospel, light and life, light and life, because the way of light is the way of life. And if you reject the light, you actually will live in death. And and through Jesus, God is inviting humanity to live abundantly now and forever in the age to come. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light is life. The light is the way of life. The light shows us how to truly live. The light shows us how to experience true light. True light, true life, one shines brightly on the other. You don't separate the two. And the way out of darkness is to discover how to live. And that's why Jesus has come. How do we live? What does it mean to live? What does it mean to even have life, to have the life, to have eternal life? God wants us to live. Let me tell the light life story this way. To live, we must get rid of our false lights. I'm going to borrow from Charles Taylor here a bit, but at the core of our secular age, which I think we are living in, and I think, especially in our country, this is where it's going more and more. But at the core of our secular age is the impulse to champion exclusive, self-sufficient humanism. 
where each person ends up not having to look beyond themselves to answer the big questions of life. This becomes the air that we breathe, the water that we swim in. So that at the end of the day, each of us have our own way of realizing our humanity. But that is not life. To borrow an Old Testament prophetic image, listen to these words from Isaiah 50. Again, written before the coming of Christ. It's a warning. He says, Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled, and this you shall have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. So again, the prophetic idea here, the imagery that's used is of light, of a torch. It's saying, we're in darkness. Like I think most of us can agree. We may define the darkness differently, but most people are like, yeah, this world's messed up. There's problems all over the place. So we sense the darkness. We sense there's some need for light. But then here's the conclusion. I don't need help beyond myself What I'll do is I'll create my own light. I will light my own fire. I will get my own torch that I'll kindle. I'll equip myself and I'll seek to navigate this world and the darkness by myself. Again, you can go ancient prophetic ideas. This is where we live. Light my own fire. Carry my own torch. And the result, verse 11 God says, this is what you will get from me if you continue to kindle your own fire. It will cause you to lie down in torment. Or to put it simply, false lights don't work. It only results in torment. And the torches may change as the centuries go on. It can be the torch now of materialism or the torch of sexual freedom or the torch of nationalism or the torch of partisan politics. But the light is life and to live. God's invitation to us, I want you to live. The invitation is then to put down the false torches that we've equipped ourselves with because they won't actually work. To use another Bible word, Repent, to turn from, to turn from the torches that we have kindled, to turn and receive the true light that has come into the world. So to live, next slide, to live, we must get rid of our false lights, and then to live, we must entrust ourselves to the true lights. I read Isaiah 50, 11. next slide. Uh, the verse right before it says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light, rather than kindle your own light and equip yourself with a torch, rather than that, if you walk in darkness and have no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. That's the invitation. Put down the false lights of self and receive the light that comes from heaven. Trust yourself. In the name of the Lord, rely on his God. Advent is the declaration and the revelation that the true light of the world has come, and it's not you. It does not come from you. You are not the source of the light. It comes from outside of the world. It comes down from heaven. 
John talks about that. The gospel writers talk about that. The whole of the, the storyline of Scripture is one massive spotlight shining on Jesus. He is the light. He is the only one that will never let you down and trust yourself to him. I don't say that. Jesus says that. John says that. Next slide. John 1.9. The true light. This is not the false light. The one that don't work. The one that's not broke. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he hasn't named him yet, but his name, I'll give you the sneak preview. It's Jesus. Jesus then takes this theme and talks about it all the time. John 8, 12. This is Jesus' words. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Next slide, John 9. Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Next slide, John 12. He keeps coming back to this. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. There's a rescue mission in the dark, so that you may live. God was willing to take on human flesh, that you may live, that you would not be left and abandoned to stumble around in the dark by your own blindness. This is God's invitation. This is what it means to live, to live eternally, to live abundantly, both now and forever. Jesus is the light of the world, and he's asking for your faith, your trust, and your belief. Put down your false lights. Receive the light of the world. Entrust yourself to him. But there's more to this light life story. Next slide. Rid of false lights, entrusting ourselves to the true light. And then it gets, this is good, to live, we then walk in the light. We get to walk in the light, like today, tonight. Don't buy the lie that all Jesus has to offer you is hell insurance. Don't buy the lie that all he has to offer you pertains to after you die. It does. Thank God. And it pertains to now. He cares about life in its fullness. And he's asking for your faith and your trust and your belief. In, in a robust picture of what it means to be alive. Listen to these words. Listen. This is revolutionary ideas. Next slide. Ephesians Paul writes in Ephesians 5, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Is that part of our identity that we walk into a place and says, I am walking into this place as light in the Lord. I am a child of light. Again, those that want to deny the dark or even fear the dark, don't go there, don't do that. God-forsaken place. No, we, as those who have entrusted ourselves by faith to the finished work of Jesus on the cross, who received his Holy Spirit, we are light. Walk as children of light. 1 John 1.7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. 
To use the, the, the path analogy, Jesus and his light illuminates the path. He keeps us from clanking around in the dark. You ever stub your toe on the nightstand in the dark? Ouch. As the scriptures say, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. You have not been relegated to the darkness. He has given you, he has given you light. He has given you life. He has given you truth. He has given you understanding. He has shown himself and calls you to walk in his way. We follow Jesus. He sets the pace for us. He sets the agenda for us. We look to his word to give us the direction on kingdom living and the light of his truth shows us what is good and beautiful and in line with the kingdom of heaven. Light life story, last movement here, is that we actually then become vessels of light. Meaning, Again, it's like how this fully happens, I don't know. But the shining light of Jesus on us, in us, around us, leads to a process of transformation in our character where we come to embody and reflect the light of Jesus to others. It is a transformative process where we become one with him. Unified in union with the light and we become vessels of light. John 12, this is again Jesus talking. He says, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. That's, that's bold and audacious language. And again, this is the, the, the flip of God's redemptive plan for his people. We're saying, Jesus says, I'm the light. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the true light in the world. And then you read the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus flips the script and says, Matthew 5, 14, and you are the light of the world. What? Jesus says, I'm the light. I'm the light. I'm the true light. I'm the light in the world, and you're the light. You're the light. And that's a communal y'all there. Followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, the church of Jesus. You're the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus offers the light of his glory and grace to us that we may then offer his light to others. Man, what, a, what an invitation to live, to live as light. Not just waiting. I, I can't wait for the day I see him face to face. I can't wait for new heavens and new earth. We cry out, come, Lord Jesus, come. And yet, until that day, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You have been sent by the Father through the Spirit to bring light to every place you go this week. And it may be as simple as giving socks as the light of the world, giving gift cards as the light of the world, bringing a meal to a friend as the light of the world, sending an encouraging text as the light of the world. 
speaking about the name and work of Jesus to your friends as the light of the world. The true light shines that we may shine his light. It's good news. So in this season of dark, every candle that gets lit reminds us darkness doesn't win. Every candle lit reminds us darkness, you're passing away. Every song that is sung reminds us the light has come. We're invited to live. Every meal that is shared is an open celebration of light. And like John, we bear witness to the light. We're not the light. John the Baptist wasn't the light, but he was there to point to, to bear witness to the light of the world. And the light shines in the darkness. Darkness doesn't win. The darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Jesus, light of the world. Jesus, the light in the darkness. We need you. God, there are days when it feels like darkness is winning. We need to be reminded of what's true. God, there's some of us in the room tonight, we need hope. We, we feel the crushing weight of despair. The darkness seems to be advancing in us and around us. We need to be reminded of the hope of the second coming and that your light shines. And Lord, we need to be Reschooled in the way of living. God, I pray for those that tonight may be holding on to fires that they've kindled. Jesus, may we come and lay those down and run to the cross and run to you, the resurrected Lord. May you shine light on on us again in your grace may you shine light over us may you shine light through us and we're not doing that to earn your favor you have given that freely but we desire to take seriously the call that you've placed on us to be vessels of light teach us show us invite us deeper onward and upward for your kingdom thank you for your love. Thank you for grace. We thank you for your victory, forever accomplished through your death and resurrection. Lord, in this darkness, may your light shine bright. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.